Good morning, Spring Branch. Good to see you here today. As I mentioned earlier, this is the second part of our conversation around amazing stories. Amazing stories. The Bible is full of amazing stories. Our lives are full of amazing stories, God-sized stories. And I have a chance to share an amazing story with you this morning from Daniel 3. From Daniel 3. Let's pray real quick, and then we'll jump right in. Sound good? God, thank you. Thank you that you are the one true God. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter what we will do. What matters is who you are, and you are a faithful, loving God. So God, bless this time together. May the words of my mouth be your words. And God, may your, may your word fall afresh on our hearts and transform us, encourage us uh, to be more like you, even in the midst of fires. Thank you, God. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen, amen. Uh, this past week, I had a chance to go to Ohio, O-H-I-O, go Buckeyes, undefeated so far. Uh, don't hold that against me. Uh, but uh, went to Ohio. Uh, I see an OHIO back there. Thank you, sir, whoever you are. I want to talk to you after the service. Um, uh, went to Ohio last week. I had a chance to kind of relive some of my childhood memories. I love taking the kids up there. Grew up on a farm, wide open spaces. Uh, they go on a little media fast for a couple of days. It's great. Uh, some horseback riding, catching some fish, home-cooked meal. I'm still a mama's boy, not ashamed to admit it. Um, great time together for a few days. And I found myself saying this a lot. I found myself saying this. Maybe you've said this as well. Well, you know, back when I was a kid, I used to dot, 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 right? Well, back when I was a kid, and I'm sure my kids were like, yeah, 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 dad, yeah, yeah, yeah. Back when I was a kid, I used to. Well, there was a story when I was eight or nine years old. It was a cold, wintry day in central Ohio. My brother and I are bored out of our minds, and we find ourselves standing on the couch in our living room with lightsabers. You guys familiar with Star Wars? May the Force be with you. The Force was with me that day. Uh, we were in an uh, epic battle there on the couch, uh, going back and forth, and I had victory in my sights. And one last desperate move from my brother, uh, I, I lost balance, fell off the couch, stumbled into a freestanding wood-burning stove. You know, one of those stoves that kind of kind of is is kind of out there in the middle of the room, you're familiar. I braced myself with my hands, and I shouted, I shouted at the top of my lungs, Ah, oh, this is hot, it's hot, I'm burning, help, help, help. And my mom, the angel that she is, ran into the room and had some ice, and uh, she came to my rescue. But man, I had this like huge blister on my hand for a couple weeks, and this cast, and it was crazy, but uh, fires are hot. I don't know, I don't know if, you, if you realize that, but fires are really, really hot. Uh, the, the, the title of this message is Faith When the Heat is On, otherwise known as Faith in the Fire. How many of you, maybe you haven't had, a, had an epic duel, uh, a Star Wars-type battle on a couch and fallen into a wood-burning stove, but uh, we have fires in life, don't we? There's always a fire burning in life, to quote Billy Joel, um, there's a fire burning since the world's been turning, right? You guys can sing with me if you want, if this, this, this will work. Here we go. There's, there's always a fire burning. It seems like we're either coming out of a fire, we're in the middle of a fire, or about ready to go into one. Wouldn't you agree? That's the nature and reality of life. 
either coming out of a storm or in the middle of one or about ready to go into one. That's just the reality of life. Now, here's the question that we all need to ask. Faith, what does that look like in the middle of the fire? Is it possible to have faith in God in the middle of the fire? What's that look like? How do we keep the faith in the middle of the fire? Now, when I say fire, I mean illnesses. How many of you, maybe you've, you've, you've been, uh, you've, you had a family member, or maybe you yourself have, uh, have fallen with an illness, maybe it's a chronic sickness, uh, maybe it's a broken relationship, maybe you've experienced divorce, um, maybe, maybe it's a loss of a job, maybe, maybe you're a parent of a rebellious teenager, maybe, uh, maybe you've experienced financial struggles, financial challenges, I mean, I, I think it's safe to assume we bring all kinds of fires through the room today, right? We bring all kinds of difficult, challenging situations through the doors today. Well, we have a choice. Things happen to us that are out of our control. Some are self-inflicted, like me, uh, probably not, <laughs> probably, probably shouldn't have been uh, having a Star Wars duel on the couch when I was a kid because there was a wood-burning stove nearby, but... Uh, things happen to us, but the one thing under our control is our perspective, how we respond. Um, what does our faith look like in the middle of the fire, Spring Branch? Now, all throughout the scriptures, we, we see people time and time again caught in the middle of fires. Um, how did they respond? How did they, how did they pursue God as opposed to run away from God in the middle of the fire? Now, there's a story in Daniel 3. You're familiar with it. You may have heard it when you were a kid. It's a story of King Nebuchadnezzar, right? And the three gods, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three amigos, these three musketeers, these buddies who took a stand for their faith in the midst of great trial, in the midst of a great temptation. Now, the story goes that King Nebuchadnezzar, say that 10 times fast, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, what a name. King Neb, we'll call him today, uh, King Neb, his heart was hardened by God. God hardened his heart. Why? Because the people, time and time again, disobeyed God's commands. God said, follow me, obey me, worship me. And time and time again, the people turned their back on the one true God. And God said, I, because I love you, there has to be discipline. There has to be punishment. God loves us with grace and truth, Right? And so time and time again, the, the people turned their back on God, and God said, all right, I'm going to be true to my word. And so he allowed King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, to lay siege on the city of Jerusalem, the hometown of God's people. And the walls were burnt down, and sure enough, he was true to his word. All the people were scattered among the nations, one particular place called Babylon. They were in exile for 70, 80 years, and they had, they, they had this period of time where they had this choice. They were in the middle of this fire. They were surrounded by all these other gods. All the people in this foreign land were worshiping all these other images and, and gods, and they had this choice, just like we do. We have a choice to worship the one true God or get our quick fix somewhere else and bow down to other things, material things, things that come and go, things that rust, things that fade, things that are temporary, here today and gone tomorrow, in today and out tomorrow. But God is sitting there the whole time and he's saying, worship me. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am all you need. Just like that song we just sang, God, I need you. I need you. 
And so here are these three guys, and they have this choice. Are we going to follow the crowd? Are we going to follow the crowd, or are we going to follow the one true God? Choose this day whom you will serve at Spring Branch. Every day we had that choice. And these men had a choice. And King Nebuchadnezzar lays down the law to demonstrate his prestige and power and authority. And he says this in chapter 3, verse 1. He says, uh, uh, this is what he does. He says, uh, 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 King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth six cubits. How tall is that? 90 feet tall. Can you imagine that? This golden image, 90 feet tall, nine feet wide, about as tall as an eight-story building. Pretty big. Pretty big. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And, And this is what he says to all the surrounding nations, all the surrounding regions. He says, at the sound of music... Not the Julie Andrews thing, Uh, great movie. But at the sound of music, you you, you will come and you will gather around this golden image and you will bow down and worship the golden image. And really it was this narcissistic thing where he wanted to make sure that everybody there, including the Jews especially, God's people, that they were devoted to him and his authority and his rule. And so what the music would play, all these people would gather around this golden image and they would bow down to it. Look, it sounds silly, doesn't it? But in our own way, we do that. And so Nebuchadnezzar catches wind of these three guys, these three amigos, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three guys who had drawn a line in the sand, they put a stake in the ground, and they were refusing to bow down to this golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And these Chaldeans, these uh, Babylonian astrologers, they dragged these guys in to Nebuchadnezzar's court, and Nebuchadnezzar looks down on them and says, what's up, guys? What's going on? What are you doing? You know the exercise. I'll go ahead and push play. Here's the music, all right? You know the drill. When I play the music, you go ahead and bow down and worship the golden image, in in parentheses, me. Um, And the guy, I love this response. Let's read it. I love this response. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are right there in the midst of of the presence of King Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful man at that time. And they said to the king, verse 16, they say, Oh, Neb, good old Neb, buddy. We have no need to answer you in this matter. Don't even waste your time. Don't even push play. We've already decided who we're going to worship, who we're going to bow down to. So don't waste your time. We have no need to huddle right here and weigh our pros and cons and weigh our options. We do that, right, sometimes when we make decisions, which is It was good, pray through it, but these guys, they had a settled faith. They had a settled faith. Their response was already determined. It was already decided. You see, our foundation of faith, it has to be there before the fire so that when the fire comes, we can walk through it. Are you with me? We're either coming out of the fire, we're in it, or about ready to go into it. And so we got to be ready. The Bible says, be ready in season and out of season. Always be ready to give an answer for the hope that is inside of you. Jesus says, be ready, be ready. Lay that foundation of faith before the fire because when you're in the midst of it, man, I don't know about you, but my, my fear would take over, my feelings, my emotions would take over, and I would react 
as opposed to responding. There's a difference there. When you respond, you have a game plan. You're standing firm on beliefs and faith, right? But when you're reacting, you're, you're basing your decision on feelings and emotions and what feels safe. I know that uh, when, I, when I'm a parent and I don't have a game plan, Lindsay and I, uh, we're trying to do a better job of regrouping every week, kind of have a state of the union, you know, as a married couple and how we're parenting our kids and how are we doing, are we on the same page? And we gotta be intentional. I love this intentional parenting class that Janet and David are teaching as a faith and life lineup between services. It's just this time of like, all right, let's just stop and reflect. All right, how can we be intentional as parents and have a plan? Because I don't know about you, parents in the room, I can react, <laughs> I can react. When my daughter uh, says, I don't like you, daddy, but she's so cute, it's hard to get mad at her sometimes. She says, I don't like you, daddy, and she kind of throws a fit and walks the other way. Man, I am fuming, but it's a test. It's a test, it's a, it's a little fire there. But I have to have a game plan. I have to predetermine my response. <laughs> go, you know, let her go to the room for a little bit, cool down a little bit, gather your emotions, respond with grace and with truth. Um, intentional, purposeful. You have to have a settled faith because you don't know when the test, when the fire will come. It's hard to have faith. All of a sudden, when you're in the midst of the fire, you know, because you're just overcome with all this fear and doubt and questions and feelings and emotions. Uh, I love what Eric Fretz is doing, our student pastor, he's doing in the student ministry. Middle school, high school, they're laying that foundation of faith. How important that is. Before a student goes off to college and is bombarded from all angles with temptations, how important that is to be grounded, to, to, to know what you believe and why. Because when you, when you are removed from the safe uh, environment here, when you're removing, you're out there in college, it's like, okay, I, I gotta have my response, gotta have my game plan ready, and that's what we're doing here at Spring Branch all the way from children's ministry through student ministry. Have that relationship, have that settled, grounded, firm, rooted faith. When was the last time you prayed? Don't, don't wait until you're in the foxhole, right? Every day, all day, we can have a conversation with God. Right, there's four, four legs to this little table right here. If you think about our, our foundation, you know, one, one leg may just be, it may be your quiet time, right? What, what's your quiet time look like with God praying and, and just taking in God's word each day? You're laying that foundation before the fire. The other leg may look like coming to the service like you are here today, coming to the church service regularly. That's important, coming together in corporate worship together. Maybe the other leg is uh, serving on a team. That helps lay a foundation, using the gifts God's given you and serving others. Maybe the, the uh, other one looks like community. The fourth leg looks like a small group or a, a faith and life class or some kind of gathering where you can grow and, and be encouraged and iron sharpens iron and be more like Jesus. Our foundation of faith has to be there before the fire so that when the fire comes, we'll know how to respond. A settled faith, a settled faith. That's what these guys had. They had a settled faith. No need, no need to play the music, King Nebuchadnezzar. We, we, we already know who we're gonna bow down and worship to, right? Don't even waste your time. A settled faith. Verse 17, the story goes, uh, they, they, keep, they, keep, uh, uh, they keep talking to Nebuchadnezzar. They say, if this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning 
fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. So, so just to explain the story, King Nebuchadnezzar lays down the law. He says, anybody who doesn't bow down and worship my golden image will be thrown into a burning, fiery furnace. They didn't have any fear. They didn't have any fear. They knew who was with them in the fire. They had a strong faith. They had a strong faith. They had, a, they had faith in a strong God. See, it's not so much how big our faith is. Sometimes I get insecure as I look at other people like swimming to Africa and adopting 20 kids. I'm like, man, I couldn't do that. <laughs> Whoa, that's a big faith. Sometimes I feel insecure and I compare myself to other people. And you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to have a stronger faith. That's not where you start. The source of our faith isn't in our own abilities, our own strengths. The source of our faith is how big and strong and mighty God is just being so enamored, so overwhelmed by the, by the mighty power of God that you just find yourself taking steps of faith. You find yourself taking risks. You trust in God's abilities over your own abilities. He is able. He is able. Our God, whom we serve, is able. Everybody say, our God is able. He will deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. The other night, I'm with my daughter. Uh, we're saying prayers, and we heard the wind outside the window that one night this past week where uh, the hurricane was coming through, and, and um, I love it. I, I love it when my kids pray you know, from their heart. It's not this like scripted prayer um, that they pray every time. The wind was howling, and, and our, our, little, our little daughter, she said, she says, God, thank you that you're, you're bigger than the wind. You're, you're bigger than the storm. Thank you, God. Amen. I was like, whoa, that is a powerful prayer. That's awesome. Well, have we lost our childlike faith? I mean, some of us have been Christians for a long time. We've been, we've been following Christ for a while, and, and maybe something hasn't panned out the way that we had hoped. We have some unmet expectations. Maybe we prayed for God to deliver us out of something, and it just hasn't quite panned out the way that we had hoped. And we started off taking risks. We started off taking steps of faith, but then something happened or something didn't happen, and so we kind of back off a little bit. And we don't have faith in the fire. We've kind of lost hope. We've lost that childlike sense of awe and wonder, like, God, you're so big and you're so strong. You can do anything. You're bigger than the storm. You're bigger than the fire. What if we had that childlike sense of awe and faith every day? Man, God can do the impossible. He can move mountains in our lives, can't he? Have we stopped praying boldly? Whatever that is in your life, whatever fire you're experiencing, have you stopped praying boldly? Have you stopped asking God? He wants persistence. He wants us to keep knocking on his door and asking him and pleading before him. God, can you? Will you? Can you? I believe you can. I believe you will. God, you're able. You're able. You're able when I am not able. Um, I was talking to somebody before the service about, uh, you know, some of you who are married, some of you who, have, who did the, the, the registering for gifts thing. How many of you remember that? Fun time. Remember going to Bed Bath and Beyond and like shooting stuff, uh, really good time. Until uh, Lindsay, Lindsay tells me about halfway through, she's like, why, 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 are you, "Why are you pointing at stuff that's like the least expensive?" She's like, "Do you realize that other people are paying for this?" <laughs> I'm like, "Oh yeah, we're not going on our budget. We're going on somebody else's budget." 
And all of a sudden it was fun. We're like, poo, 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 top of the line stuff. Yeah, they'll pay for these, these awesome knives that are like 300, 400 bucks, right? In the same way, we're not going off our budget. We're not going off our economy. We, we can live based on God's budget, his economy, what he's able to do, right? God can do above and beyond what we could ever possibly ask for or imagine. We're not going on our ability, our budget. We're going on what God can do. And that blows the roof off our potential and what God can do through us and around us. These guys had no fear. They stood right there in the presence of the most powerful king at that time, and they said, God is able to deliver us out of your hands. Do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. They had a strong childlike faith in the fire. And then this happens. Daniel 3.18. This is is like the nitty-gritty of our faith. It's fun to talk about our faith. I love preaching about, hey, have faith in the fire, and sounds really good. But you never actually hope to have to use your faith, right? Come to church, and it's comfortable, it's great, and then something happens, you're like, oh, man, do I believe what I've been preaching? (laughs) These guys, these guys did. They say, but if not, God, you are able. They have a settled faith. They have a strong faith. Um, Our God whom we serve is able. But then they say in verse 18, but if not. Everybody say, but if not. Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Wow. This is where the rubber meets the road, right? This is where rubber meets the road in our faith. This is the nitty gritty of our faith. But if not, pray boldly, pray persistently. But if for some reason God, out of his sovereignty, sovereignty means he is a loving heavenly father who knows what's best for us and he has a plan for our lives. If for some reason God chooses not to deliver us, is he still good? Will you still worship him? Will you still bow down to God? Even with unmet expectations, even with with unanswered prayers. And like I said earlier, we all bring unanswered prayers into this room. Some of you are in the middle of a very, very hot fire right now. Maybe you were fighting for your marriage, fighting for your marriage, and it just didn't happen. And you find yourself alone. Maybe, you're, uh, maybe you, you, you had a, a, your dream job, and then it's just poof. You lost it for some unexpected reason. Maybe you had this illness. You've been praying, God, take us away from me. God, take us away from me. Heal me or heal somebody else. And it's just, it's still there. It's hard, I know. And I, I, there's a lie out there in church that you've got to have everything together. I hope the Spring Branch, I hope we can be the kind of church where we can struggle well with each other. We all struggle. We all have hurts. We all have hang-ups. We all, we all are lost and hurt in, in, in darkness. We all have fires we find ourselves in. We all burn with, with doubt and fears and disappointment, discouragement. And I want you to have a place and space where you can be honest with that because the way you're feeling is okay. I've, we, I, I, I validate the way you're feeling. You have a right to feel that way because of what you are going through, what you've been through. David in the Psalms struggled, didn't he? But he struggled well. Halfway through, there was always a but. 
God, I don't know. I don't understand what's happening. God, I don't understand what's happening. Enemies are pursuing me. I'm in this fire. But I believe in you. But you are good. This doesn't feel good, God, but I know you are good. A loving Heavenly Father knows what's best for his kids. You know, as parents, you know, some of you have been parents, you know, uh, you, you, tell, you tell your kid that they can't have five straight nights of ice cream. This happened the other night. And my daughter thought the world was going to come crashing down on her. You know, it was like the end of the world. I'm like, believe me, you don't. If you ate ice cream every single night before bed, just trust me. As your earthly father, I know what's best for you. But in her little kind of immature, childlike mind, she doesn't understand that. She's angry towards me. It doesn't make sense. It feels bad, looks bad. In the same way, we're like these little kids walking around on this earth, and our heavenly father is up there, and he says, I know this feels bad, but just trust me. Trust me. In the midst of this fire, I know what's best for you. I know what's best for you. See, he may not deliver us from the fire, but he can deliver us through the fire. He's with us through the fire. He may choose to deliver us from the fire in his sovereignty and his plan. And by the way, he goes by his master calendar. He sees the whole picture. We go by our watch. We just see the weekend. God, if you could just do this by the weekend, that'd be great. This fire that I'm in, yeah, just, just take me out of it for the week. This, you know, by, by Sunday, that'd be great. He's like, whoa, 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 I know what's best for you. Just trust me as your heavenly father. It's your heavenly father. It's a strong faith. It's a settled faith. And it's a steadfast faith. This faith that says, God, you are good, and I'm going to boldly ask you to deliver me from the flames. But if not, if not, I'm still your child, and I'm still surrendered to you, and I still believe in you. I'm still going to trust you. And so King Nebuchadnezzar standing there, and he just can't believe it. He's astonished. He is furious. He's filled with this fiery rage. And he turns up the heat seven times. He turns up the heat seven times. I mean, if you want to torture somebody, you don't turn it up that much, right? I'm just saying. That's kind of morbid thought, right? But he turns it up seven times the normal temperature, and he has his mighty men take care of these guys. And the story goes, the mighty men throw the three guys into the fire, and guess who dies right away? The three mighty men. They die because the flames were so strong. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are fully clothed. They're bound, and they're thrown into the fire. And this is what happens. King Nebuchadnezzar, verse 24, was astonished. He rose up in haste and said, I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Who's that? That's Jesus, pre-incarnate, right? That's Jesus before he became flesh. He's always existed, Jesus, from the very beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Even the Old Testament, Jesus was there. He's right there in the fire with those three guys, and he's right there in the fire with us. Those three guys, I mean, I, I can just imagine like high fives in the fire, maybe it's the first high five, you know, maybe they dabbed in the fire. Uh, maybe they, uh, I don't know, uh, chest bumped. They were like, oh, this is awesome. Woo, woo, woo. And they gave Jesus, I, I, I don't know. Um, 
But there they are in the fire, and Nebuchadnezzar is just astonished. He's just taken back, like, whoa, this is, this is, this is incredible. I can't believe it. And then he, he shouts out to, hey, come out of the fire, which I think is kind of funny. Right? He has to tell them to come out of the fire. <laughs> if you were in a fire, wouldn't you, wouldn't you come out? But clearly they were not burned. They didn't smell like smoke. And this is what we read. The king saw the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads were not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed. And no smell of fire had come upon them. You were roasting s'mores last night at a friend's house. I came home. My clothes smelled like smoke. That's what happens. They didn't smell like smoke. Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Are you catching this? <laughs> Blessed be the God of these guys who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. And there is no other god who is able to rescue in this way. Praise God, right? So first we see that faith in the fire will reveal God's presence. You have a settled faith, you have a strong faith, steadfast faith. So what? What's the result? What happens if we have faith in the fire? We see that God's presence is revealed in the fire. How many of you have experienced God in a powerful, personal way right in the middle of your fire? Yeah? All of us have. And you look back in life, you remember that time you were in the fire and you met God. You were on your knees and you were crying out to God, dependent on him. And he revealed himself to you and to I in just a powerful, personal way. There's something about the fire that causes us to be totally dependent and submissive and, and just reverent before our God. When I was uh, uh, starting off um, in marriage, uh, we married for 15 years. Lindsay and I had this plan for having kids. We had this timeline, and we had some friends ahead of us who were having kids, and we were excited to be parents. And um, It took a long time. Uh, we found ourselves in Peru on a mission trip with uh, 25 kids. And um, Lindsay and I, two days in the trip, found ourselves in a hospital. You see, Lindsay had had her second miscarriage. About 10, 12 weeks, she had to have a special surgery. And it was just this emotionally and physically exhausting time for us. And spiritually, we were just questioning God in the middle of this fire, just confused, full of fear, full of doubt, full of discouragement. God, why? Why are you allowing this to happen to us? We're going to be great parents. And we saw the clock ticking. All our friends were having kids. And there we are in the middle of Peru, foreign country, foreign language. And we had a choice. Which God were we going to worship? Were we going to, were we going to base our love for God on circumstances? Because faith is more about who God is and less about what God does or doesn't do. Are you with me? We prop up our faith against circumstances, but circumstances change, by the way. <laughs> the character of God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, so may we put our trust in the God who doesn't change. Put our hope in him. But how easy it is for our hope to migrate away from God and rest in temporary things and things that come and things that go. And right there in the hospital in Peru, Lindsay and I had a choice. Who are we going to bow down to? Who are we going to serve and worship? Who are we going to put our trust in? And uh, weeks later, someone, someone shared this story 
about Daniel 3 and these three guys who said, but if not, and they still trusted God in the middle of their fire. And it was comforting to us. And we also read a verse from Romans about how God works all things together for the good of those who love him. Man, that's the promise that God gives us. He may not deliver us from the fire, but he will be with us through it. Faith in the fire will reveal God's presence. And as we see in this story, Nebuchadnezzar is inspired, isn't he? Can you imagine the scene? Faith in the fire will inspire the doubters. When people look at your life and they'll say, man, you're really going through a hard time. You're really going through a struggle. You're really going through a crisis. But yeah, I mean, I I can tell you're struggling, but you, you have this joy about you. You have this peace about you. You have this faith in you that it's just as strong. And out of the circumstances, it, it just seems like you just have this, this hope, this peace. See, our, our lives, if they're, if they're filled with faith, even when we're in the fire, it will inspire others. It'll be a picture of God, a picture of his love and presence to other people, to your neighbors, to your coworkers. You know, it's not about being fake. Oh, praise God, God is good. You can still be real. You can still struggle, but struggle well. And you have a hope, have a peace about you, right? That is only from God. Faith in the fire will reveal God's presence to people. It will inspire the doubters. And this is what Nebuchadnezzar says, verse 30. He says, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. God used this fire to refine these guys. You know, uh, our, our faith may not result in promotion. Don't get the wrong idea here, right? Um, but our, our, our faith will grow us. It will grow us and will help us reach our potential. How many of us can sit here and say, man, Heath, I, 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 I don't understand what's happening. I don't understand what will happen in my life, but I do know one thing. I want to be more like Jesus. The best, most wonderful person who ever walked this earth was Jesus, holy, pure, full of compassion and love and gentleness towards other people. I want to be like Jesus. And through the fire, we can be more like Jesus. He refines us. A refiner's fire, you think of gold, right? Uh, God uh, reapplies heat over and over again in our lives, just like someone does with a piece of gold. And those impurities rise to the surface, those weaknesses rise to the surface, and we're purified. And God can see his reflection in us. If we go through the fire and we keep faith in God, he will refine us. Without faith, without faith, the fire will define us. But with faith in the fire, we'll be refined and more and more like Jesus. Adversity is God's university for growth. I wish that God could grow us in some other way, apart from discomfort, apart from pain. But that's just the way, that's just the way it is. When we're at the end of our rope, we are broken on our knees before God, and we say, God, I need you. God, I I, I trust in you. I know this isn't going my way, but God, you are good, and I I I will worship you regardless, and that's when our faith goes to a whole nother level, and we are refined and made more, made to look more like Christ. Faith in the fire will refine us. I want you to think of this phrase right here, Wherever you are in your life right now, whatever fire you're experiencing in your life right now, 
I want you to think of it this way. I believe God is able to deliver me from this, whatever that is for you. Maybe small, medium, large kind of fire, whatever it is. Do you believe boldly that God will deliver you, that God is able? Settle your faith before God. Believe in a strong God, almighty God who can do the impossible. Whatever that is, fill in the blank this week. God, you are able. God, you are able. I I know that you have the power to deliver me from this. Don't stop pursuing God and asking him boldly with faith. But if not, but if not, is there a but if not clause in your faith? But if not, God, I will still trust in you. I will still follow you. I will still bow down and worship you with my life. I will still keep pursuing you and believing in you. See, here's the thing. Jesus went through the worst fire, didn't he? Think about that. For God so loved the world, for God so loved Stephanie, for so God so loved Lee, so God so loved uh, Jeffrey. God so loved, put your name in there, for God so loved you. And whoever that he came to this earth, that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever should believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God went to the fire for us so that we could have faith in the middle of it. He experienced the worst fire on the cross, burdened with our sin. He laid down his lives for us so that we could have faith in the fire. Let that sink in. We can endure the fire because Jesus went through it for us. Can I get an amen? Come on. (laughs) God is good, isn't he? And he's with us in the fire. No matter what happens, he's with us in the fire because he's been there. He's been there. So may we walk this week in faith, a settled faith, a strong faith, a steadfast faith. And may may we find God in the midst of the fire. And may it inspire other people around us. And may we be refined by the fire as we have faith in the God who's already been there. Please stand with me. Just close your eyes and bow your head. Put your hands together if you want. God, I know that there's some people in this room who are in the middle of fires. You know their thoughts, you know their feelings, you know their emotions, their fears, their doubts, their hurts. God, fire hurts, it burns, it's hot. And the odds are stacked against us. But God, you're so much stronger. You're so much bigger than whatever we're facing, whatever we will face. So God, right here, right now, I just wanna give people an opportunity to draw a line in the sand to put a stake in the ground and say, God, I will follow you. You are able. You are able to deliver me. But if not, I will still follow you, still trust you. Close your eyes and bow your heads. Maybe this is a time where you make a decision. Maybe some of you made a decision to follow Christ a long time ago, but you faded away from that. You faded away from your faith. You've allowed circumstances to be what you base your faith on. So right here, right now, I I just, I wanna encourage you to make a recommitment, make a recommitment to Christ. 
to follow him in the middle of that fire. Recommit yourself. Say, God, I recommit my life to you. I recommit my faith in you, Jesus. And maybe there are some of you in this room who have never made a commitment to God in your life. Maybe right here, right now, before you walk out of the doors today, maybe October 14th is the day, the one day where you take a stand, you stand firm, and you say, God, I want to follow you for the first time. I want to make you Lord of my life. I admit that I've bowed down to other images, other gods, and I believe that you are the one true God. And I commit my life to serving you no matter what. Make that decision right now for the first time. And guess what? God promises that you are a child of his and you have eternity that awaits you in heaven. God, thank you for the decisions that were made in this place here this morning. We give you all the glory and all the praise. Amen, amen, amen. Everybody say amen. Thanks for coming. Have a great week for the next part of our amazing stories conversation. God bless.